Welcome to Limited Time Only, the podcast for anyone who feels there aren't enough hours in their life. Limited Time Only is a mix of chat, comedy sketches and interviews with interesting people. We hope that we will make you smile, laugh and feel a bit brighter about the whole life, death and everything in between malarkey. Essentially, we're dissecting the human condition, just using a rubber chicken rather than a scalpel. I'm Esther and I'm Susie and And this this is Limited Limited Time Time Only. Only. This week it's time for nurturing your noggin. I sound very loud in my own head. There's not a lot I can do about that, Sue. No! <laughs> Can't stop hearing myself when I talk, Esther. What's that about? Today we are talking about nurturing our noggins and um and self-care. Your noggin being your bonce. Your noggin being your bonce or your swede. Or your, or your, <laughs> Swede. your Swede. Have you never heard your Swede? I don't know that one. No. Your Swede or your Tet. Is that in French? La Tet. It's t- la Tet. La Tet. Or is it La Tet? I do, I do not remember. I feel like it's, <laughs> isn't it, isn't it La Tet a Tet is head to head? Ah, head to head, yes. I didn't know if it was a Le or La. That's oh. it. I don't know if it was masculine or feminine. I think it would be feminine. I don't know why. Just, I mean, I could be absolutely talking out my derriere here. And, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> you're getting all French today, Esther. <laughs> I'm just trying to show off quite how fabulous I am. Well, it just radiates from your from your tet. <laughs> from so, my tet. Uh, <laughs> from my tets. <laughs> your tets and your croquettes. <laughs> Whatever they are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes, we are indeed talking about our heads, yes. um, our minds, our um, mental health and our general health, self-care for our entire personas. Yes. In French, go. In French. Allez. Bonnet de douche. <laughs> All right, Del boy. <laughs> yeah, so it's something that's, well, it's it's much more talked about than when we were younger, that's for sure. And I think after the last two years of absolute joy (laughs) well absolute a different way of living isn't it it's been a different way of living and I think that the discussions about taking care of ourselves and looking after our mental health have um, expanded enormously in the last two years uh, which can only be a good thing yeah Um, and much much needed yeah, definitely, because I think for a long time there's just been a lot of shame around it, uh, shame around mental health and um, an unwillingness to talk because you don't want to be a, appear to be soft or, you know, that sort of old-fashioned term, I'm not, I'm not soft, I'm not a wimp, I'm not... Whereas I think it's important to make it okay to talk about these yeah, things. Yeah, because everyone has mental health. Yeah. The, the thing, I think there was a stigma about mental health problems because it was as if you were different or not normal. Yeah. I don't know anybody who is normal. No. What is normal? God knows. <laughs> and I don't think anybody, I don't, there's nobody on the planet who hasn't had um, poor mental health at some point. Self-doubt, anxiety, stress, everybody suffers with these things. Um, and there are definitely ways to help ourselves. There's just times when, if it's not possible to help yourself, that's when... Um, there is help elsewhere and it might be medical help and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think what we were saying about the stigma around mental health, I remember um, in my early 20s, I had PTSD. Um, I'd had quite a few traumatic events in my childhood. And um, when I was 21, they all sort of 
came right up to the surface and then when I got engaged and we brought a home together they really came to the surface and I I went to see a therapist and she said to me um, something about the term mentally ill and it scared me Mm. and I burst into tears and I said I don't want to be mentally ill and she said no 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 it's you get a cold you can be physically ill you can get a cold you can have a flu and that kind of thing and there's different varying degrees of being physically ill and to say somebody is mentally ill doesn't mean it's not something frightening just means that your brain has a a cold or the flu or it's just so you just need to reframe it you'll get better from it it's just at this moment in time your brain is unwell really you're you know you're you and you need some help to get through that and it was quite a shock that because I think at the time it was so mentally ill meant, you know, you were really wandering the streets and hurling abuse at people and it and it frightened me. But it's quite good to have it reframed. As you say, it's it's like your body getting ill. And we all have we all have periods of good mental health and poor yeah. mental health um, in varying degrees. And I think it, 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 it ebbs and f- ebbs and flows. And yeah, it, not quite sure when it's gonna I don't know sometimes not quite sure what I'm gonna get in the when I wake up in the morning yeah yeah definitely am I gonna feel happy or am I gonna feel horribly bleak but not quite sure why and it's and it's it's that thing isn't it of remembering and just holding on to the fact of I'm having a bad week I feel really low I have this but that it's it's not forever. It sometimes it can just be a few days that you feel low, and then other times it can be more prolonged, and you might need to go and get help. Or, but it's just remembering um, that expression: "This too shall pass." You have, you have happy days, but those happy days mm. won't always last. You have sad days, but they don't. None of it lasts forever. It's just it will all change. It'll all move. When you're on the highest of highs, that will pass. When you're on the lowest of lows, you're going to have high days again. It's it's sort mm. of it's remembering that and it's so hard to remember that, it though, is isn't it? yeah when you when you're feeling bad and often not really knowing why that is there might not be any particular reason mm. that you just feel heavy and can't do anything and nothing nothing brings joy and and it's very hard to think oh it's it's going to be okay mm. because you're in this ditch i suppose mm. and where's the where's the light it's it it is like i don't know if you have read or watched harry potter but there's these creatures called the death eaters and they suck i mean and they they've got to be a representation of depression i'm sure they are but i will often say if i feel i'm usually quite optimistic i'm usually quite excited by everything talking 19 to the dozen and sort of bit high on everything high on life um but then occasionally it's I'll say to my husband, the Death Eaters are in. I just, I can't, I just don't feel anything. And mm. and I think that's always a sign for me. As soon as I start to feel a numbness, I'm like, okay, right. Get rid of everything. Pull everything back. Turn off the television. Come off your phone. Mm. You need to sort of, um, I know for me, that means I'm overwhelmed. I've been overstimulated and it's almost like a burnout. And then I just have to go, right, I, I've got to go to ground a bit. I've got to say no to stuff. I've got to become mm. quite small and um, and and sort of heal myself a bit. But I know those signs now. That's quite a, that's a big sign for me because I'm just not that sort of person very often. So I know as soon as that happens, right, this isn't right. Or if I start becoming very, very anxious, 
then I'm like, right, you're overstimulated. There's too much noise coming in. I get very passionate about everything from politics to stuff that's going on in the world. And I'm interested in everything. And then sometimes that's just just too much. It's just too much. So I have to sort of turn the dial down and and, and retreat. And yes, it's learning that, isn't it? As you go through your life. Oh, these are my signals. Right. I know what's coming if I don't if I don't look after myself if I don't give myself some self-care yes because anxiety because I was, I was looking up anxiety and and um I mean, I th- and everybody has anxiety at some point it's a feeling of unease isn't it of worry mm. fear and it can be quite mild or it can be so severe that it's debilitating yeah and that's when you might need to go and, and get some help and um and find ways of of managing it and getting through that and stress as well can be so helpful yes and it's essential for life you need a bit of stress i mean i'm just thinking about doing an essay or something right i've left it right to the last minute i'm going to do it now i've got to do it now and then you do it um or, or for us going on stage or something that that sl- feeling of stress is is helpful yeah. because it it wakes you up and it gives you energy and kind of focuses your mind. But when it tips over into heart pounding, can't sleep, everything is awful, then that's really not helpful at all. Because I think from charting, from being more aware of what's going on with me mentally and physically, from being sort of trapped in the house mm. um, over all that time, I've kind of been aware of all the different manifestations of stress or anxiety. Mm. And there's so many different ways it comes out. I mean, because I can be an absolutely raging, <laughs> I don't know, death eater myself. I'm like, kind of this angry whirlwind of dread rummaging around the house, kind of shouting at everybody and, and feeling incredibly stressed and feeling kind of on the top of my head. Yes. Or it's like, I, I, I have no grounding at all and I, I'm not in control of anything. And it's this kind of, flood of energy but very bad energy not good adrenaline just before i go on stage bad negative energy that has nowhere to go yeah um except for possibly screaming in the bathroom or something like that <laughs> into a pillow and that, that's a way that's a way of, of dealing with it sometimes turn the shower um, up and just scream <laughs> scream or i think at the end of towards the end of last year i mean actually Full disclosure, we did try and record some episodes of this um, at the end of last year and I was just absolutely zonked. I was just, had no energy for what felt like months. Um, so we've, we've, we've sort of started again, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a much better, much better to do that. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. It's like an extreme form of self-care. Just stop, completely stop this creative endeavour um, because it's not, it's not but, working. But, it, but you needed to because you it's it's a horrible I feeling i sort of think of it as walking through treacle it's just hard to mm. put one foot in front of the other and so to be creative and chatty and it, it's 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 hard to function so how can you do anything else and i think that's when self-care is so important okay do i need to do this now no i don't what do i need to do i need to listen to my body and my body's saying yes this is hard every day is just hard at the moment so don't need that added pressure it's so weird because it was it was a tiredness that i could not get rid of i couldn't and actually, it, it coincided with my tearing of my calf muscle, Ooh, yeah. which meant I, I couldn't even walk for two yeah. weeks. Um, and then I couldn't walk very much for another two weeks. And I couldn't exercise as I would want to for 
over six weeks. And I don't think I really realised how much that affected yeah. me mentally. Yeah. Um, that lack of exercise and lack of being able to move as I would yeah. normally. And, and any, um, I mean, even just fresh air, actually, for a while. I'd probably go in, I don't think I went outside for ages. I'd probably go, go to the garden for a, a minute. But um, I'd normally do the school walk. And even little things like that can help, can't they? In a day-to-day, as a, just getting outside for half an hour, walking my daughter to school and back, is actually great. It's given me some endorphins, I've got some fresh air, and I, I wasn't getting anything like that for, for weeks. And I th- it made me very depressed. And obviously, that's really important to you. My, my husband's due to have a knee operation, hopefully within the next couple of months, they've said. And he won't be able to, well, potentially exercise for nine months but I think that's just that's just um like a blanket for everybody but he is very fit so I imagine that he will be able to before then but he definitely won't be able to drive for six weeks and 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 I and he is a very physical person he needs physical activity he sort of does some form of exercise every day because it's just his body just craves it so to take that away when you're somebody that really needs it it's it's Yes, because it's, I'm not surprised. I was round your house on um, uh, we well we <laughs> we went out, didn't we, Esther, on we Saturday went night out on the round. We went out and we didn't get to bed till four thirty in the morning. Yes, <laughs> oh yes. So anyone out there with really young children, don't worry, you will regain <laughs> your life. <laughs> but I was at your house, wasn't I? And then, so I woke up and got up. Uh, I don't know, tennis. Really didn't have enough sleep because <laughs> I had to no. get a train home. Um. And uh, and it transpired that Ian had been up for three hours by that point. And he'd been on an hour-long bike ride. Yeah, just a quick one that day. Well, yes, which was quick because normally, what, is it three hours? He normally goes out every Sunday morning from about seven and gets back at about 11. And I will say, where have you been? And he will have probably <laughs> <France>. done... <laughs> Uh, yeah, not far off, to be honest. And he'll say the Malvern Hills. Now, the Malvern Hills and back from our house is probably, oh, I don't know, 60 or 70 mile round trip. Oh. That's quite... <laughs> Oh my god. So he did 20 miles he does about 20 miles an hour when he cycles <laughs> which I didn't un- I didn't understand that that was pretty pretty good. Anyway, we talk about my husband far too much. No, but He's I just get a I really think big that's head. so impressive, isn't it? And it's such oh, it's, it's really, really ingrained it's ingrained in him. That's what he does that. That's what he does. He gets up at 7 in yeah. the morning and he enjoys it and he gets all that fresh air and those endorphins. But how awful that he's away not from me. To- yeah. I mean that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get me on a bike. I'm going to Malvern. Is he really on a bike? Because he just gone to the cinema or something. Um, yeah, probably. You don't actually know, do you? You need to. Track no, not him. really. No. I mean, he's got Strava, and he just talks about. I mean, I wind him up because he gets a lot of. I don't understand Strava other than it just seems to be like you just brag about what you've done and everyone. And I go, who's giving you kudos today? Because <laughs> they give you kudos. But he's yeah. So I see. It could be driving round and just doing that. But no, he's he has got. I think he's put the bike on top of his yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. So the bike is doing some money. He's, he's re- he is incredible. I would love to be like that. So I would like him to. But he'll say, come for a run with me. And I'll be like, no, because I just feel deeply inadequate. Um, because because oh. what happened was we'd go for a run together at times. And he would run 
with me but then I would keep having to stop so he would run away from me and then come back to me and that just really dented my confidence and I said to him I don't think I can run with you because you're doing twice as much as me and I just feel like really awful and he said well I won't do that again but I said no just whilst you're down I'm gonna get super fit and then when you are ready to go back out again we'll be on a level pegging because <laughs> you won't have exercised and yeah. I'll be fit yeah but how's he going to cope? I don't. You know? I think he will probably be doing a lot of exercises so that he like physio exercises so that he can get out as soon as possible. And, and I think because yeah. he'll be in such good shape beforehand, hopefully it won't take him too long. But it's it is hard when something like that is so part and parcel of who you are. And like for you, you take that away. You can't really walk anywhere. You can't play your netball. You can't exercise. And it just has such a negative impact on your mental health. Plus, it's the winter. Um, you sort of did it in the, when yeah. the nights are drawing in and it's sort of... Oh. And it was worrying. I was worried because yeah. I didn't... I thought, well, am I ever going to be able to play netball again or am I ever going to be able to run again properly? Because I'm that sort of person. I get a bit... I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, I would say. Oh, me too. Um, and I always go to the worst possible scenario. Oh, God, me too. Catastrophic thinker. <laughs> Yeah. If my husband is late home by, by oh God, this is the Ian show today. If he's late home by 10 <laughs> minutes, I've planned his funeral and what I'm doing next. <laughs> In a way, that's quite good. But um, yeah, It's a defence mechanism, I've been told. Yeah. It's a, it's a self-preservation defence mechanism. He just thinks I want him dead, but, you know, <laughs> some days I do. But... Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> We interrupt this programme with a you bash. This just in. Take heart. You are enough. That is all. Goodbye. I do go through bouts of exercising quite a lot. And when I do exercise, I do crave it and I do feel brilliant. I never want to do it. But then when I've done it, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do that again. Well, it's definitely getting fresh air and exercise. The, the The only thing is it's so hard when you're feeling so tired and heavy and weak and because it, I think that physiologically I felt weak and actually I, I, I am aware that we've talked about this I think but we need to do weights oh, yeah, weight. weight. yeah. and I I feel weak a lot of the time and I think well actually if I did weights I'd probably have aching muscles all the time but at least I would end up feeling I would ultimately feel stronger mm. but that when you're and when you're so tired and down and everything feels bleak and pointless as well yeah. This kind yeah. of pointlessness and sense of foreboding. These are the things yeah. I was feeling. And I get that sometimes, just for a day, a sense of foreboding. And nothing particularly has happened. Nothing's changed. But it's like something bad is going to happen or something feels wrong. And I don't know what it is. Um, it's hard to actually do anything. And sometimes it feel, I feel like I'm sort of self-sabotaging myself. Yeah. Self-sabotaging yeah. myself as opposed to anyone else. Um <laughs> self-sabotaging my other personality um but when i don't i don't go outside for fresh air in fact i was reading things to do to to um it's on the nhs website actually and we'll put some links up on the show notes to to various different um websites that might be helpful and this this is just five steps to mental well-being um and i was reading through this and one of them this number two the first one is is connect with other people Mm. um and not through technology or social media alone yeah. i mean some some yeah a bit of that but you know phone call actually meeting them in person but the second one is be physically active 
And I read that and I was like, right, come on, get off the computer. And I went outside and I did some gardening for an hour. And the joy of gardening, because you just totally lose time, don't you, when you garden, when you're really into it. Yeah, it was good exercise Mm. and it was satisfying because I saw a difference in what I was doing and it was yeah it was nice and I didn't I wasn't listening to music or anything I've just realized I would normally kind of maybe put on a podcast or something listen to ourselves obviously um <laughs> put, put you and me on um <laughs> no uh I would I don't know listen to something and um I didn't it was just I was just there with my thoughts um yeah and it was it was really lovely and it and it was good and I thought oh good I've I've actually Followed some advice. <laughs> yeah, and it does, and it does make a difference, doesn't it? it I, I walk the dog every day for an hour, an hour and a half, and quite often I do listen to a podcast when I'm walking the dog, or I listen to WhatsApp messages or leave WhatsApp messages. But, but even that's lovely, and just the walking through the woods, walking through the fields. Um, it's and and sometimes I don't listen to anything, and I just I don't know. It's just good to be moving your body, isn't it? And and I yeah. love. If I'm going, I love looking up. I love, if I go into a city, I really love looking up and seeing all the skylines and the sky. And and it really does lift me. And I think as well, sometimes changing my environment helps. So just going somewhere different, and obviously we couldn't do that during the pandemic, but just just going somewhere slightly different or taking a different route and just noticing, it just changes how you feel. Well, it does for me anyway. One of the things I've been doing for the last month or so is in the morning when I go downstairs is going outside usually with my little boy because I, I, I can be outside I pick him up and he has to snuggle his arms in because it's to my body because it's a bit cold um but we go outside and I just look at the sky and I do that because I listen to a really brilliant podcast Dr Rongan Chatterjee oh yes love him feel better live more love him um and he had a really interesting guest on a few weeks ago called Dr Andrew Huberman who's um, a professor of neuroscience at Stanford University. Stanford, I know. Um, university my, School my of Medicine. My own university, yep, yep. Don't need to Founded by yourself. Yep, founded by me. <laughs> In 2005. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, you've done some amazing work. Thanks, there, babe. Yeah, I, tr- I do try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this this guy was so good, so interesting. It's a really great um great talker and explainer but he was talking about our mental and physical health but it's all physiological things that we can do okay. so the, the first thing he talked about was about um, exposure to morning light being the key to optimum human functioning i'll just read this little bit that i've got here so the light that enters our eyes even in blind people gives knowledge to the nervous system Getting the right light at the right time sets the clock in all of your body's cells, which in turn will affect many different functions in the body. It stimulates the cortisol you need for energy and focus, and it has positive effects on everything from sleep, energy and immunity to appetite, mood and so much more. And it was just it's just a simple thing of going outside first thing in the morning. It sets your circadian rhythm, doesn't it? It sets your circadian rhythm up. Yes. And you you yeah, so you wake up and everything feels a bit brighter you get you, and you physically feel that energy mm. lift and there was another thing he talked about which I thought was really interesting and I've done since which was when I, when you're feeling stressed um because you know we're told to breathe deeply mm. but actually that can kind of almost replicate a panic yes in a way yeah if you start huffing and puffing but he talked about breathing in and then when you think you're at your optimum amount of breath you've taken in you can't breathe any further just take a little bit tiny bit more wow. so you breathe in 
and then a little bit, when you got to that top and you don't, and then you just breathe in a tiny little bit more and it's and it floods your system with oxygen wow. and it's not it's no way bad for you nothing's no. going to burst <laughs> your lungs aren't going to overinflate but it just it it's almost um it's that feeling i get um i've had before and i recognize it from when i'm just about to go on stage there's a really amazing moment when i was um Sorry, I'm rambling slightly. No, not at all. It's but brilliant. hopefully this is interesting. Um, I did um, a play at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh, in 2017 with my theatre company, Idiot Child. And we were on at ten past four, I think it was, every day, every day for a month, apart from one, one day. And I was getting pretty knackered yeah. <laughs> by week <laughs> two, two and a half. Um but it was the, and I was thinking, oh, goodness me, uh, as I've done some flyering, had done some flying in the morning, had some lunch, got there, done some more flyering around the courtyard, we were at Pleasance Courtyard, if anyone's been to Edinburgh. Um, and it was the moment I was, I'd got my costume on and I'd look in the mirror and I'd be putting this thick eye makeup on that I had to wear, thick eyeliner. And every day at the moment I put my eyeliner on, I felt a switch wow. click. And it was like I'd been flooded with yes. energy. It was an amazing rush. And it was it was because that was like my final preparation yes. moment. Your adrenaline kicked in. I'm going on stage in five minutes. Yeah. And it was it was brilliant. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm an actor. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I this wasn't a hit that I'm getting. Free drug. The roar of the crowd, the smell of the grease paint. Yeah. Completely safe drug. Um and that's kind of what daylight, this daylight, you know, that daylight moment in the morning is doing. And also that little extra breath. And I thought that's so great, because it's such a simple thing. You don't need any money to do that. And everyone could do it. And also I think there's a myth, isn't there, like you were saying about the breathing, that you breathe in and you take lots of deep breaths, but actually you have to breathe out longer than you breathe in otherwise you you know it's 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 not helpful for your system and it does can make you more anxious and but if you let the breath yeah. out for longer yeah then that helps also tell you what works for me a cold shower oh. um i uh, <laughs> i um quite often have a shower in the morning and then at the end of it we'll turn it on cold yeah for two minutes and that's wim hoff talks about that doesn't he and, and it's the stress that your body experiences. So after the first 10 or 15, maybe slightly longer, 20 seconds, you breathe out through it. And then once you've got past that, you acclimatise the water, a bit like wild swimming, I guess. Yeah. And then it, you, your body deals with the stress and it improves anxiety and it improves all those kind of things just in daily life because your body's dealing with this sort of stressful situation and it improves immunity. And oh. and when I've done that, um, I often feel kind of tingly and yeah. on a high for quite a long time afterwards. Yeah. So that's that's quite helpful I, as I can't well. do that because um, our shower, the, uh, the, the knob... <laughs> the uh, knob in your shower, yes. The knob... That you turn to mm-hmm. change the temperature. Yeah. It's stuck. Yeah. So if, if I move it, it's basically, I can't move it down anymore. I can't make it colder. If I move it up, it becomes scalding, scalding oh, okay. hot. And um, and then I'm I'm just going to be screaming. I'm going to be fighting a different sort of extreme situation. One that's not going to be that helpful to my body. No. <laughs> Blistered. Yeah. Um, could you do an ice bucket challenge maybe on a daily basis? <laughs> I did one once with one piece of ice. Oh yeah, I think it might have kickstarted. Oh, I was about to go into labour, so I thought. Oh, I okay, risk it. that's 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 all right. Then we'll let you up. <laughs> I'll try and find the video. It's quite funny. I've got a big bucket, and then one piece of ice comes out. 
<laughs> then I went on a zip wire and then I did start labour. What? Well, we'll we'll talk about ways to start labour another time. We could have a whole podcast. On a zip wire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we definitely need to revisit yeah, that. Right, no. Something else that I've started doing that I saw somebody I worked with talk about on social media that he had started doing. I don't know what you're like, but I've always got a lot of thoughts in my head and a long list of things, um, including people's birthdays, always oh, yeah. rattling around my head. So he had he started doing this thing where he would write down five things a day, just five things a day that he was going to do. So that might include walking the dog and doing yeah. a bit of yoga. And, but, and then when he'd done those five things and he'd crossed them all off, yeah. he would just do whatever. He could do more stuff if he wanted to, obviously. But he just said it completely improved his mental health. It meant he was achieving more because he wasn't overwhelmed by the list of everything that he was doing. He was mm. breaking it right down. Um, he was When he was having free time, it was guilt-free. And he was just accomplishing more and it was massively helping his mental health. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to give that a try. Mm. And it really does work for me because I... Quite often I think, oh, that's quite a, that list looks quite heavy, the, the yeah. five things. But then I've done it really quickly and I think, oh, great. And I feel this, yeah, this sense of accomplishment. And it does mean that I'm less, I don't procrastinate as much. That's so good. I don't. And it's, so I've, I think that is a, that's been a really good tip for me because, yeah, I've just always, I can become a bit overwhelmed and yes. not quite know where to start. That, that's how I've been feeling. Yeah. With my two kids now, well, the eldest is at school and the youngest is at preschool now three days a week and then the childminder and because it's given me the opportunity to do more work and to do things like this but I've when I have had days at home I feel completely overwhelmed yeah by the by yeah that list of I mean I don't know if I wrote everything down if we wrote everything down in fact if everyone listening wrote everything down they needed to do it would be oh, enormous, wouldn't it? Ridiculous. It'd be the most ridiculous list. And that's what I end up doing. When I make a list, I make this enormous list. And then it never, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And so I often just end up wandering around doing, or, or going on Twitter. Complete waste of my time. I do nothing. And then I get to the end of the day and think, well, that was rubbish. And I feel really guilty that my son was in preschool when, frankly, I did absolutely nothing. So and, then you beat yourself And up. I'm a terrible person and I should just go and stick my head in a bucket of ice. Um, <laughs> One piece. Uh, <laughs> it's, but that that's it, isn't it? You, you're overwhelmed, so then you don't know where to start. So then you end up distracting yourself by going on social media. Then you beat yourself up that you went on social media and you didn't achieve anything. And then, yeah. and then it's hard to get out of. Whereas if you... If you just take the top five things that are really essential, well, I have to walk the dog every day, so that's going on the list, and then this has to be done today and that. And then it's just, I sometimes do more things than that, but, oh, ticking stuff off the list. God, it's good. And now it's time for The Voice Inside Your Head, also known as Doreen. Haven't you had a day? How you've coped is beyond me. I mean, when your son declared he needed a poo at 25 to 9. You were all on top of it, you were all organised, and then you held back and he's on the toilet for 15 minutes, late for school, late for work, and then on hold for 45 minutes, having to listen to Kajagoogoo as Muzak at lunchtime, trying to get through to a mobile phone company. And then when you do get through, it's an automated robot. And now you're home and your day hasn't even ended. You've got to cook, clean, wash, iron, all whilst the kids squawk at each other in the lounge. In fact, you know what? There's half a bottle of Pinot Grigio in the fridge left over from the weekend. Why don't you just go and have a little glass? I know it's only Monday and you don't drink on a school night, but I'm sorry. If anybody ever deserved a glass of wine, it's you. 
and it's today. Go on, go to the fridge, go on. Get the fridge open. That's it, that's it. See, there's only half a bottle. Half a bottle. You know what, that'll go off anyway if you leave it to Friday. You don't want to let the wine go off. What a waste of money. Take the lid off. Take the little plunger out. Oh, oh, smell it. Just have half a glass. Half a glass is all you need. Ooh, glug, glug, glug. Is there a nicer sound in the world than a glass of wine being poured? Do you know what? You might as well use it all up because what are you going to do with that last bit of wine? There's not enough for a risotto. Go on, that's it. Go on, drink it. Go on. That's it. That's it. That's it. You bloody lush! Could you not just wait another four days before you had a drink or some refined carbohydrates? One word of encouragement from me and you've given up on your healthy eating regime. Have you literally no willpower? You know what, lady? You disgust me. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I've just discovered him and I love him and I'm a bit late to the party um, for because he's got millions of followers but his name is Stephen Bartlett Bartlett I think and he is I don't watch Dragon's Den but he's one of the he's the new dragon and he's in his late 20s and he he's an incredible businessman but every word that comes out of his mouth is completely inspiring and he was talking he had a guest on and they were talking about um discipline and I have negative connotations around the word discipline. It's To me, it's sort of smacking a child. That's my connotation of discipline. But it yeah. was talking about discipline with yourself is self-love. So you don't gorge yourself on stuff. You know, sometimes you do. Sometimes you're like, oh, let's just have a shed load of sweets and watch a film or whatever. But you eat well most of the time and you discipline yourself with that so that you're eating healthily and, you know... Um, because it's self-love, because you're taking care of your body, you exercise even possibly when you don't necessarily want to because you're disciplining yourself because it's self-love, because you're trying to take care of yourself. I'm going to do yeah. these things today because also they were saying that if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, you don't trust yourself and then you give yourself a hard time. Well, I said I was going to do that and you didn't do it. You bloody idiot. What a loser. And so the five things a day, I'm going to do these five things and then you stick to them. Obviously, if you can't, you let it go. Is quite a good way of almost parenting yourself. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to do this. And just, and just, it's not always achievable, but I, I liked the reframing of that. Okay, the disciplining myself is taking care of myself. And that's a form of self-care. It really resonated with yeah. me. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. It, it is it. a really good tip. And um, I'm starting to, I've like I said, with changing the mixing up where I walk and stuff like that, if I'm a bit, it all seems a bit Groundhog Day, I'm doing new things. So I'm going to um, a book club in a couple of weeks um, because I just love analysing everything. And, um, and so I've got this homework, basically, of reading a book, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, and I'll meet new people and I'll have an interesting conversation. And it's... Well, yes. And it's number three on the list. Is it? Of, uh, of, uh, not join a book club uh, specifically. Yeah. But um, on the, the list of five steps to mental well-being, number three is learn new skills. And I think that definitely comes under that. Yeah. Because um, it, yeah, it boosts self-confidence, raises raises self-esteem, helps you build a sense of purpose, helps you connect with others. And I, I've been doing my fiddle lessons. Yes. I want to hear your fiddling, Suze. Not yet, not yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm nearly there. Yes, but I have been, I have been playing, and I have been having these one and a half hour Zoom lessons 
uh, once a week with about 15 other people with this fantastic teacher, Rachel McShane. Check her out. Um, really great. And she plays along well, she plays along with everything we do. So I sometimes think it's me sounding good and then I realise it's her. Um, <laughs> God, I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm amazing, but someone's really out of tune. Oh, it's me. And, I, and I've been playing every day. Can I've only, even just sometimes for just five minutes, just go in and pick it up and play. It is brilliant. And I real sense of a progression. I can yeah. feel myself getting better. I mean, I'm, I am still very much rubbish, no. but that I am less rubbish than I was two months ago. So that's something. Well, it, and it's the progression, isn't it? Like you say, then yeah. you grow in self-confidence because to learn a new skill, it's, it's oh God, it's overwhelming at first, isn't it? And where do I start and what am I doing? And it feels insurmountable. And then as you see yourself progress, well, then you feel like you can take on the world. Yeah. The other things on this list, there's two more things. Um, the fourth thing is give to others. Research suggests that acts of giving and kindness can help improve your mental well-being. Can I tell you the nicest thing I ever did? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know whether it... See, part of me wants to tell you and then the other part of me thinks everyone will be like, all right, love, you, you know, did, did you need to share that? That's quite British, isn't it? But um, <laughs> Pick yourself up, come big, on. Well... Toot, toot your horn. So um, I love giving. I love giving gifts and stuff like that. But there was one time on Christmas and I was stood at the checkout in a very well-known supermarket retailer and um, there was a lady in front of me and I was buying some bottles of Prosecco for Christmas presents. And she was an older lady and she said to me, what's that? Is that is that Prosecco? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, I've heard about Prosecco. But I've never tried it. What's it like? And I said, oh, it's, um, yeah, it's lovely. It's very similar to champagne. And it's, we had a bit of a chat and she said, oh, it's my, um, it's my 80th birthday on Boxing Day. Perhaps I might come back and get a bottle. Maybe I might try it. And um, she left and, um, and I was stood there and I was thinking, oh, um, and we sort of packed the shopping up and everything. And I thought, I hope she's nearby. And this woman, the woman that, that on the checkout was taking forever. There was sort of issues. And oh. then I quickly sort of ran towards the exit of the store. And she, this woman was still there and she was sorting her bags out. So I took a bottle of Prosecco out and I put it in her bag. And I said, oh. I said, happy birthday. I hope you have a wonderful day. And she went, no, you can't give me that. I can't give it you back. How can I pay you back? I went, you can't. Happy birthday. And I left. And I felt so lovely to have done that. And then on Boxing Day, I thought about her and I thought... Oh, I hope I hope she's sort of opening that and enjoying that glass of prosecco, yeah. and I hope it makes her feel nice that somebody she didn't know did something kind, and you know, it yes. just made me feel made me feel so lovely. And um, yeah. and but but I completely agree. I love doing like sending little notes and yes, doing you're very good at kind that. gestures. It just makes you you're feel thoughtful. It's just nice to know that you've made somebody's day a bit brighter and then that yeah, makes me feel happy connection. yes yes it is. absolutely and yeah. even actually one of the things on this list is it's saying thank you to someone yeah for something they've done for you yeah that they've done for you and and yes that is yeah just little little tiny things that can uh make us feel better boost your about. day boost someone else's day yeah I also journal quite a lot now. I journal quite quite a lot and um, that's quite helpful for me because I can see things written down and sort of get things out of my head and onto paper. Um, do you it's, journal? It's unblocking. I don't, but I. it's something I would like to do. Mm. Um, I, I'm trying to be, trying to think, because I think, well, how, what, what, how could I structure my day that would be 
for the best that you know would be the optimal structuring of my day mm. where I could do all these things I wanted to do and and um I did yoga this morning and I've been less good about doing it every day recently I'm still doing it quite a lot but I I was finding that actually me going that there's a sort of payoff for me having that time mm. in the morning because my kids are still so young they if I'm going to do yoga for 20 minutes, they have to be on the iPad for 20 minutes. Mm. And there's sort of a pay, a, a bad payoff in that then I have to get them off the iPad. <laughs> so all the calm and mindful um, wondrousness that I've, that I've experienced in the 20 minutes and I feel stronger and, yeah, great, I've done it. I've done exercise for the day and... Um, and I've had a little little time to myself and I can start the day and then I have this sort of nuclear warfare of trying to get them off the yeah. iPad, um, which kind of ruins it all. Not quite ruins it all, but... Yeah, it it's, does. It's the... hard, but I'm glad I did it this morning because it was early. My little boy got up extra early today and normally I'd just try and, you know, get back into bed and I might give him the iPad and he's, he's watching something while I'm trying to pretend not to be able to hear it. Um, and snooze a bit more but today I thought no I will get up and do that and I'm glad I did because I think it did give me a bit of a kick start to the day yeah it's it's quite a nice feeling isn't it when you've done some exercise first thing if you, if you can yeah. it's sort of I don't know how I'd fit journaling in though as well quite often do it before I go to bed I am yeah, um, which my husband's happy about because I'm not talking at him um <laughs> just write it all down instead so he's like (laughs) he can read it yeah the next day oh no he wouldn't want to read it a lot of it's just waffle um but it's i it's it's quite good for me to just get it all out onto paper and sometimes if i'm really stuck and i can't understand something i what that's going on in my head i will voice memo myself i'll be walking the dog and i'll talk it out as i'm walking Obviously, mm. pretending that I'm on the phone when somebody walks past me. Yeah, that's right, Sheila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll call you on Wednesday. And then I'll go back to it. <laughs> Your alter ego is yes, Sheila. Yes, I'm like, well. Um, and, then, um, and then maybe the next day I'll listen to it back. And then I'll hear and I'll be like, oh, you're really stuck with that. Or, oh, you're saying that. That's weird. Why are you talking about those? You keep using ah. that word. And so I almost self-analyze myself by hearing the language i'm using oh you're being a bit negative there self-analyze yourself self-analyze myself yes just to be clear (laughs) (laughs) and um and actually a couple of times a year i go and see the same therapist i've seen since i was 21 so i go for what i call maintenance sessions just to just to any blocks or any niggles or yeah just because she can she can hear what i'm saying she's known me for a very long time and she'll be like well it's probably to do with that or you're using very negative language there actually stand back and look at it is that really the case or are you projecting or whatever um yeah also i've come to realize that i go with the seasons so sort of this time of year i really start to get very motivated i want to book Mm, holidays i want to be working i want to do this (laughs) i want to do that and then by the time we get to sort of late october through to christmas I don't want to do anything. I just want to look yeah. after my family. I want to be at home. I want to hunker down and I become very sleepy. I'm like a, I'm like yeah. a little I'm like a little wooden creature. <laughs> little hedgehog. Just call me Mrs. Tiggy Winkle. <laughs> Spring cleaning starts in January for me. Yeah. Get rid of the Christmas tree and then right, come on, let's do it. Yeah, and I and then the end of last year I was just a but the, but you, your Husk. body you obviously needed it and you needed that rest yeah. and your body was 
bit broken as well and you were exhausted and it's dark and there's, you haven't slept for five years <laughs> there's a whole combination of things isn't seven there? seven years seven <laughs> yeah. years oh, oh my god just, susie yeah. you haven't oh slept goodness. for seven years well i have i mean i have but you know i do get woken up every night oh my god um oh my god. i just thinking the last the last thing on this list of five things so we've had uh, connect with other people, be physically active, learn new skills, give to others. The last one is pay attention to the present moment, yeah. brackets mindfulness, which we have talked about in length in our episode in season one, Time for a Bit of Zen. Um, and if anyone um, hasn't heard that episode, do listen because it, we've got a fantastic interview with um, Guru Sue, as I like to call her. Um, <laughs> Sue Hawkins, who... Um, is a wonderful mindfulness teacher and there's there's a bonus episode of a five minute mindfulness meditation um that you can do that just helps to focus you and get take everything that is extraneous away and just be present with yourself and your breath for five minutes and it makes such a difference and actually if you're if you're struggling with sleepy children um i know i have quite a few friends and people who've messaged in saying my kids wouldn't sleep so i played them the five minute mindfulness out like a light slept for 10 hours <laughs> <laughs> Sue should be uh, charging, yeah. but it's completely free. Yeah, um, it's a completely free free episode, bonus episode. But yeah, yeah I was just think about you talk about uh, maintenance sessions with your um, your therapist and uh, therapist. Yeah, counselor. What would you call her? Uh, therapist. Therapist. Well, she's just a badass. She's ace. <laughs> I love her. So, so maintenance session with your badass. Yeah, with my badass. Um, <laughs> I need to have a maintenance session with my badass guru Sue. <laughs> Because um, I did her mindfulness course, and I, I, um, I'd like to have an. It, it, I, I do sessions every so often, um, just to top up and get and be reminded of how the power of it, yeah, um, and how and how simple it is really to do. Um, it is. Yeah, she's she's brilliant, and she's doing breath work as well. So we'll have to get her back on for that because we'll she's, get her on. she's been talking a lot about how um, do all the breath work is really powerful and unblocks old emotions, and just yeah. it can be hugely transformative and just lovely to chat to Sue. Oh, she is. Oh, she's she's great. She's just she is basically my therapist. <laughs> she's therapist. Yeah, yeah. She's um, she's fab. We love her. We love yeah. you, Gorosho. <laughs> Welcome to Sue's Salon. You here to sort your hair out? No. Oh. Botox? Uh, no thanks. Really? A tanning booth then. I've got to be able to help you somehow, love. You look knackered. Well, I was after one of your mood-enhancing facials. Oh yeah. Designed for busy, overworked, tired, overwhelmed, visibly ageing ladies like yourself. You've enhanced my mood already. They don't call me Sue for nothing. Well, our facials work with what you've got. In your case, pale, saggy and jowly. And give you a boost. We've got a facial for every state of mind. Are you in a state of low-level panic? Who isn't, darling? Adrienne off YouTube. Oh, she is. Imagine doing that much yoga. True. Well, I'm not panicking today. Good for you. How about blind rage? Watched the news recently? Seeing red? Uh, not really. I saved my rage for when my husband loads the dishwasher incorrectly. Are you in a lackadaisical devil-may-care frame of mind? Letting deadlines slip because you're CBA? CBA? Can't be asked. No, I'm very much asked. Yeah, I can see that. Very substantial. All right, how about nihilistic? What is the point? Why even have a facial? I'm going to look dreadful again tomorrow anyway. Oh, not quite there today. Good. 
I want you to pay for a facial. Any other options? Self-pitying? No. General slump? No. Hyperactive? No. Obsessed? No. Jealous? No. Drunk? I wish. You're an enigma. You're an emotional wasteland. I'm just feeling pretty calm and content right now. What? I can't improve on that. Oh, I'm stressed. Denise, I'm going for my break. All right, I need a facial. Then I'll come back and do your feet. Oh, Esther, I haven't got any ideas for this week's show. I feel completely uninspired. Mm, sure. Esther, what are you stuffing into your mouth? A bit of Lady Macbeth for inspiration. You're eating the works of Shakespeare? No, I'm eating a delicious bar of Lady Macbeth dark orange chocolate from Sweet Theatre. I've just finished off Alice in Wonderland. Even the artwork on the packaging is beautiful. Mm, is it helping? Indeed it is. Here, have a little nibble on Oscar Wilde. Mm. That one's gin and tonic flavour. Yum. Have you got any more? Um, um... Esther, have you eaten all the Sweet Theatre chocolate? Should I exit stage left? Yeah, I think you should. Sweet Theatre. Chocolate with drama. Available online at sweettheatre.com and in participating theatres. If Esther hasn't eaten it all... We'd like to let you know that the following interview touches upon things that can be upsetting. These include panic attacks, alcoholism, suicide and childhood trauma. We are thrilled to have you. Obviously, we have known you for... for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. When we were all two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when, we were, when we were child performers in the Central Junior Television Workshop. Little performers. Yeah. Little, little shitty show-offs. <laughs> Speak to yourself, I was a delight. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest is the marvel that is Matt Campion. Matt is a producer, director and former child actor who starred in over 40 TV shows. He is joint founder and creative director of Spirit Studios, a multi-award winning TV and digital content and audience building studio. Spirit's mission is to create content powered by Spirit that impacts audiences through entertainment and storytelling in order to drive change for the better. We talked to Matt about what motivates him, what his mission is, the hashtag I am whole campaign, his TED talk, how he deals with his own mental health and what his plans for the future are. Oh, and we have known Matt for over 30 years as the three of us all won our places at ITV Workshop at the same time when we were kids. So, without further ado, Welcome to the show, Matt Campion. You are creative director, is that correct? That's correct, yeah, yeah. Of Spirit Studios. Yeah. Um, and you do so much under that kind of umbrella. It'd be great to get a sense of, you know, what, what you do and what Spirit Studios does. I mean, just to start, the whole workshop, us, us, um, that it, everything that gave us, I suppose, is part of what I do now and why I do it um coupled with other stuff but uh yeah so spirit is um it's a we're a production company but we're sort of unusual because we're a sort of a hybrid of traditional production and digital the new world which this is that we're on right now um and um and i suppose we're made up of, of different studios we we make um we make what we call originals and that can be anything from a tv show to a film we, we do a bit of work with brands. We run a network of podcasts. So we've got, we've got a um, sort of a fully operational 
suppose it's sort of a TV studio, multi-camera studio in London that, that runs currently about 14 podcasts, which is, and we're, we're increasing um, month on month. We also sort of run um, our own digital platforms. So we create a lot of social content in different different ways. And then the one of the big things I'm massively passionate about is, um, is um, I Am Whole, which is our mental health studio. And mental health, I think, can sound a bit clinical, a bit boring, a bit worthy, and a bit dry, but I am whole is the opposite of that. We're sort of punky and um, we're about penetrating young people's conversations through pop culture, um, using music and the arts and comedy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we'll come, well, we'll come on to that a bit later. But really, what Spirit's about is Spirit's USP is, we always talk about the fact that we, um, we create content with Spirit. And we want to create content that impacts people's lives for the better. So we want to be, ultimately, we want to be the masters of hidden purpose. Um, and, and I suppose I Am Whole is a bit like that in terms of, again, we don't want to be worthy. We don't want to be boring. We don't want to be too in, in, informative or educational. What we want to do is create content that people really love um, and then get them to think about having a better life off the back of that. So when I pitch business to people i always say that we, we make anything from 15 seconds to a feature film um and it doesn't really matter what that is as long as we're as long as we are um generating our, our mission to sort of do a bit of good in the world and have that purpose um so that's kind of what spirit is and why we exist and then i suppose what do we do so that's why we exist what do we do we make all sorts of things. Um, we, we're sort of, I suppose, we're most well known for bringing back Trigger Happy and creating the stand-up sketch show, which has just finished its fourth season um, with ITV. Um, which Esther has, which, Esther has appeared in many times. I've played many mothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've played all of the comedians' mums, whether they're six years younger than me or no. 20 years younger than me. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so yeah. much fun. And they're the nicest people to work with on that show. They're yeah. so lovely. Such a lovely crew. I'm glad that you enjoy it. And I get that feedback so much because, you know, like building a business and scaling in the way we've done, we do so many things. And there's a lot of people that work for us. It's really difficult being the creative. It's, it, I literally started this thing running around Soho with a laptop, <laughs> trying to convince people, this is what we do, this is who we are, trying to convince people like to buy into my ideas and like and give me money to make them. And to think what we've managed to achieve in sort of 10 years is just, it's just, I kind of have to pinch myself, really. It's incredible, isn't it? Do you think just sort of sometimes stopping and having a conversation like this, give you that moment of reflection and that sort of realisation of what you've achieved so far? Actually, I did. As I did think that then, I did have the sort of like, had that sort of the hairs on my neck. I was like, oh my God, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because you don't ever. No. Um, because it is like, I always describe what I do as pushing the biggest boulder you've ever seen up the steepest hill you've ever seen and I'm always halfway up it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there is no top. You've always got new ideas, so it's always the goal's always changing. The top of the mountain's always going to change. I just feel like we're still day one. I genuinely do. Really, I don't, yeah. there's nothing about me that thinks that we've had any success yet. Like I just still think that it's like day one. And even though I know we've done some great things, it's like this. It's interesting. Whenever you talk to people that have had a hit or or whatever, I think when you when you're on your journey to having your first, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of like, I mean, I. Our successes are tiny, really, but I think I'm whole is I'm whole is something that went, I mean, like globally massive. And 
that is something that I really pinch myself about. The stand-up sketch show, being able to bring back Trigger. Um, I mean, this is a slight exclusive, but um, we've just signed a deal to do Trigger Happy the movie next year, which I'm like, oh really, really, really <laughs> excited about. Uh, to think that I've managed to, to do those things and that people, you know, like growing up, we were at the we were in the ITV workshop, mm. and then to like, and then to see something that I've like thought of be on like advertised in the mass singer all the time oh like, my god it's just like but you kind of then go you talk to people that have had these hits when it happens and it comes out i think most people would think when you have that success that you go oh my god it's amazing but you don't you feel completely hollow completely bereft mm. it feels like it's actually a worse feeling you kind of go oh, god, well, oh well, what's next like yeah i thought i, thought I was going to feel so much more than like i did and I think that is going to be no matter what you do, no matter how big you get. And then when you think about that, you can really see why so many massive global stars suffer with their mental health. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. Because you almost it's anticlimactic, isn't it? You expect this massive high. I'm going to feel like this when I get there. And then it's oh, well, then the next day, someone else has the, the, move, yeah. the world moves on. The next yeah. day, like, the next day, something else happens. I struggle with that a bit because the next thought for me goes, well, well, what's the point then? Why am I even bothering? Yeah. Because actually, if I play that role or work for that company, and then I'll have done it, and then that'll be in the past, and then, and then what's next? Yeah, I, so I might as well just not even bother doing any of it. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I think about that all the time. But <laughs> the thing I'm told, and the thing that I'm always trying to remind myself of, it's not about getting to the destination. You never want to get to the destination. It's no. about, about constantly enjoying the journey. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. do you know what it makes me think of all the time? Only Fools and Horses. That Del Boy <laughs> was, this time next year, we're going to be a millionaire. This time next year, we're going to be a millionaire. And they became millionaires. And he was so depressed because he didn't know what to do with his day. And it is, it's that constant, what's a new project? What's a new project? And I often think of that and think, we enjoy the journey, Esther, enjoy the journey. And um, yeah. I, I bumped into, I was in London, bumped into someone, I won't say who it is, um, David Beckham. No, I bumped into <laughs> someone in the toilets of a restaurant, and he was wearing, we were both wearing masks, and I, as in COVID masks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> I, mean, I just, I just wasn't there in my, my, my regular Putin or like Trump mask or whatever. Um, I, and I just, and I had I, someone that I used to play football with. Anyway, and I just went, oh my God, how are you? And he was like, oh yeah, great, Matt, how are you? And now this guy, right, he's created one of the biggest TV shows in the UK uh, that has ended up turning into two massive movies. And he's had huge success and made lots of money and blah, blah, blah. And I just went, oh my God, I can't believe what you achieved. And he just went, oh God, do you know what? That was so long ago. Like, I just find it really hard. I can't get anything away these days. And I just went like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. In my head, I was there thinking like, you're the king of the castle, like sitting on a beach going, <laughs> look at me, mate, just coming up with anything I do, turns to gold, <laughs> drinking yeah. my cocktail. Yeah, I'll have another mojito, please. You know, like, and actually yeah, he's yeah. like going, no, that was like 15 years ago. And it's like, and no one wants to buy my ideas anymore. And I just, it just made me really think about yeah. what, what does it all mean? But hopefully Simon Cowell have another idea soon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
in a way, it's kind of nice to know that. Mm. It's, well, not nice. It's kind of reassuring. Those stories stop people, stop you giving up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because actually, the fun bit is the coming up with the ideas and the creating something. So tell us about I Am Whole. How did that come about? Internally, in our creative department, in our development department, we call ourselves the funny and the feeling. So um, we obviously, you know, we make stuff that's fun. But then we also make stuff with heart. And um, a good example of that is like, um, obviously, Trigger, Sound Sketch Show, funny um, and great and all that stuff and just sort of silly. But then there are shows like Comedy Against Living Miserably, which we make for Dave, which is a hybrid of stand up and comedians talking in a sort of a cinematic documentary style uh, show where they talk about their mental health and then uh, and and how it affects their material and their lives and you know, all that stuff. That's the funny and the feeling. That's a really great USP for us. And the same with the whole truth that we made for Channel 4, where we had, um, you know, young black artists talking about their, their rise to fame and, and music. And we sort of had them perform their tracks, but also dissect their lyrics that were about mental health. That sort of is a sort of a sweet spot. But also, you know, like, this year we've invested in a scripted department. So we're now, we've got our first... Um, I suppose I probably shouldn't say who it's with, but with a with a major broadcaster, we've got our first um, drama starring um, some really big names. That show is about toxic families and family therapy, and that's kind of you know it's not funny, <laughs> but it's feeling. Um, yeah, yeah. But so so I'm whole is sort of is I suppose the cornerstone of where where we um, are trying to do something actually good internally in the business but and externally so I'm whole was something that happened in 2016 2016 I got approached by the NHS to come up with a campaign to challenge the stigma surrounding mental health in young people and it was it was for Brighton and Hove it wasn't national yeah we just finished Trigger Happy and I'd worked with we did a collaboration with Rizzle Kicks so I got to, and that's like something, that's something else that was so fun. I got to direct the last ever Mr. Kicks music video. And we made like a Trigger Happy special. And um, that was fun. And, and I got to know Jordan and Harley um, pretty well through that experience. And then, um, and then the NHS approached me and sort of said, could I create this campaign? And obviously they're from Brighton. So, uh, which is where I live. Um, well, I've actually. Um, <laughs> actually um, um, so I, I sort of said and Jordan had sent me like this solo album of his of his music which was like so not like Rizzle Kicks it was indie punk and it was like he was trying to win um, I'm sure he's trying to win the Mercury Prize or something and it was really good but it was like dark and there was all these like really dark songs on there and I could tell both of them were in a bit of a pickle I suppose mentally and they've both you know I'm so proud of them they've both been through lots of therapy ever since so I said to the NHS, have you ever considered making a music video? Because she said to me, I said, what do you currently do? How do you, like, how do you currently reach out to young people and talk about mental health? She said, well, we literally all they do is put pamphlets in GP surgeries. And I was like, there's no way that a, like a young, a teenager or someone in their 20s is going to pick up a pamphlet and go, oh, I better stop calling that person a nutter. You know, like, um, it's just not going to happen. And so I said, would you consider us making a music video and a campaign film? And she was like, yeah, great. So we pitched, we pitched the idea in. And so I took this song called Hole that Jordan had written, which is all about sort of spiralling into depression and 
feeling like you're always going around in circles and not being able to get out of the loop. And um, and we we shot a music video, and then I had this like um, I had to like come up with the creative, and I I, li- I literally just listened whenever I whenever I direct music videos, um, my wife almost divorces me because I literally just go in like a whole listening to the same track on loop for like as many times as I can. And like, obviously I can understand how irritating that is to someone in the outside. <laughs> me, what I'm doing is I'm sort of like, I'm trying to sort of like bathe in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to like get under the skin of it. I'm trying to really understand it, listen to everything and sort of like pretend I'm a guardian critic or something. Like, and just kind of like, just trying to like really creatively absorb it. It wasn't coming, but I'd listened to the track about 200 times and I went to bed. And then I, at the time, my second child was 18 months old and we weren't getting much sleep. So it was like a, it was like a six o'clock wake up. Yeah. And then, I, but as I woke up, I just suddenly had this, I was like still in dream state and I had this dream that I could see people going around with like this circle on their hands saying, I am whole, because the song was called Whole. And I was like, oh my God. So I, I, I was like, a circle on a hand. I was like, it's community, it's unity. It's like the circle of life, things will keep moving. If there's something about this that's like, could bring people together. So I literally texted Jordan, my do me a favor, draw a circle on your hand, take a photo and send it back to me. Uh, of which he did and I used it in the pitch and everyone was like oh my god this is brilliant and then um and then um, uh, actually we photoshopped that very very first circle and that is our brand symbol and has been ever wow. since. Yeah, <laughs> wow yeah. That's and um and then so then we made the music video and this sort of like campaign film with all these with like these all these young we partnered with the uh with the nhs and the ymca and we got all these young kids that suffer from mental health issues to star in the music video and in the campaign and they all just sort of raised their hands solemnly with a circle and just said i am whole and it was just like defiant and like really like powerful and we launched it on world mental health day 2016 october the 10th and we went around we got on all the sofas on all the news shows so we were like doing this press trail around london and then it got to like three o'clock in the afternoon. And we were like, oh, oh God, now let's get some lunch. And we sort of pulled the laptops open and we were like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. This thing's gone like, and the, all these messages from people going, mate, they've been talking about you in parliament and like you're on the news and like this, that and the other. And then like, by the end of the day, we'd reached 120 million people. Oh my <laughs> God. Blowing. That's incredible. But in one day? Yeah, in one day. And like we were on like the news in America and Australia and Canada and like in the Caribbean. We had like James Corden and Ed Sheeran and Liam Gallagher. Everyone was like joining us, like doing it. We had like hundreds of thousands of people posting photos and influencers creating videos. And like all of a sudden it just became, it was like I put out a brief for content around mental health that had never been there before. And literally, yeah. literally within the 48 hours, you can't like just the wall of noise that came back at us was like, oh my God. So I said to the NHS, like, this is, well, first of all, everyone was like, you know, over the moon at the camp because it was meant to be for Brighton Hope and it ended up becoming global. Yeah. Um, this thing was like growing on its own. This community was growing on its own. We were like, this is mad. People are still talking about it. So I said to, um, I shouldn't say mad, that's a stigma word. Um, but I'm kind of, <laughs> but I kind of believe that actually we shouldn't, um, part of me believes that we shouldn't um, put labels on those words just because it's, you know, if, if you, if you want to, if you need to talk, you need to use those words, you should use whatever words you want. And I suppose context is everything. But I, I yeah. pushed it back to the NHS and they were just like, you know what, we really, we love it and we're sorry, but 
we've only got a finite budget and we've got yeah. to move on to I can't remember it was but something else cancer or the next campaign so um I just went in that case could we rip up the contract so I can own own it and they were like yep yeah, great because obviously like to begin with the IP was theirs yeah. um, as part of the campaign because they paid me to create it but they handed it back to me to us at Spirit and then we um I suppose I've had it as sort of like a side hustle project in the business, something that we're just really passionate about. That we've not really been able to massively scale until now, because now we have investment to do that. So now we're beginnings. You will start to see over the next months, next two, three years, lots of content coming out and lots of stuff growing out of it and TV shows and all sorts of stuff. We've done some amazing things ever since. The second year we did a launch with nothing but thieves from the top of the BT Tower and I Am A Whole was like streaming all around London all day long for people who were able to donate and text and we made a music video with them at Angel Studios in Islington which was brilliant uh, with the 16-piece orchestra it's one of, actually one of one of one of my favorite pieces of content we've, we've made then the following year we put on music for mental health at the roundhouse and managed to get Ed Sheeran, Professor Green, Ella Eyre, Anne-Marie, James Arthur, Ollie Murs, Nothing But Thieves um, Hussein Manoir, etc., to come and star in that. And that was like a big four-hour Sunday event. And we had like spoken word poetry and all sorts. Everyone that went to that sort of says that you, they've never felt so much love in a room. It was like, it was honestly one of the, probably one of the best days of my life. Um, right. Off my wedding, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, and when you were born. <laughs> when you were born, both of you. Uh, but it was in terms of my career life should I say yes. it was really brilliant it was, just, it was just brilliant and then um, and then what else have we done and then we made The Whole Truth for Channel 4 and we made Comedy Games Living Miserably the TV shows which were brilliant uh, and you've also done a TED and Talk and then I did a yeah and then yeah then I got asked to do a TED Talk so that story is about my own personal journey here right so mm-hmm. I'm whole when I when I got asked to do it I had to sort of like creatively dig deep to find out what my connection with mental health was and I knew I had a massive one but I didn't know quite uh, I didn't know quite well I thought I was can I thought that my dad my so my dad was um an alcoholic and had um a drug addiction when I was a child and attempted suicide three times and I found him every time and um but I thought that when I started um delving into this subject matter I thought that I was going into his world and trying to look at it from his perspective so I was like well Mm. my dad has suffered massively with depression and it's led him to all these bad things that created issues in our family and all that kind of stuff and I was like oh I wonder like I should talk to my dad and this that and the other and then because I was like spending time in that world you know for a sustained period thinking about these things it's suddenly um two weeks before we launched i'm whole i had i thought i was having a heart i literally thought i was having a heart attack i I had to leave work early. i wasn't feeling well and i thought i was having a heart attack and um i ended up running into a pharmacy and thinking i wouldn't see my kids again it was like literally i can't tell you how scary it was because i've never suffered anything like this before and it was um I'd never ever sort of thought I just did you know it just came out of nowhere and I just and my heart was racing and I couldn't breathe and I just thought oh my god I'm having a heart attack I'm gonna die that's it I was literally thinking I'm about to see the white light or whatever you know like 
And I rang to the shop and I'll be honest with you, um, she was not very helpful. And it was like, actually, I was a bit of an issue. And she sort of reluctantly phoned 999 and then asked me to go out the back of the shop because I was disturbing the customers. And I was like, what? Um, she went bust, actually. I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> Caring profession. Well, maybe I shouldn't be like that. We'll cut that bit out. Anyway, I ended up, I ended up going to hospital via ambulance and thinking it was all that. And then they sort of did all the tests on me, everything, bloods, everything, like x-ray my lungs, the lot, everything, all sorts. And they were like, no, you're really healthy. Um, you've had a panic attack. And I was like, what? I've had a panic attack. Yeah. They're like, you've had a panic attack. But are you stressed at work? And I was like, mm, yeah, maybe. Um, and at the time, you know, I, I built a business in London and then moved to Brighton and then commuted for so yeah, five days a week. And that was stressful and everything yeah. was stressful. I'd released the trauma trapped from my childhood of yeah. living this real yin-yang life of like kind of on one side of my life, everything was brilliant. I went to a yeah. good school. I got into the, the Central TV workshop with you guys, which for anyone that doesn't know, um, is just an incredible thing that we were so lucky to be a part of as kids where we would go like once or twice a week after school um, to Central TV in a big TV studio from the age of, sort of 10, 11, uh, and then and have these incredible workshops where we, where we were trained to act for theatre and TV and film and, and get the opportunity to audition to do so many things. And by the time I'd hit 19, I'd been in almost 40 shows. Um, and, I'd, and I'd had a, such an incredible experience of like, I remember being, I remember being like, I think I was like 10 and a half, like 11. And my very first thing was being on a blue screen on grot bags in a <laughs> studio in Birmingham and my arm, my blue arm of my top disappearing and going, that's fun. You know, that's kind of, yeah. and then, and then very quickly I got, I got a part in Soldier Soldier and then I was being chauffeur driven. <laughs> like it was mad being chauffeur driven and having clothes bought for me and all these kind of things and being paid like real money. And I was like, this, yeah. this is like amazing. And then, so then that was all like, that was, and that, but also there's also a, a, a stigma that came with doing that of like, doing something you really were passionate about and loved at school, that wasn't cool. You know, like mm -hmm. the lads at school, I went to an old boys school and I was ribbed for my whole time there for being, Aww. for doing the acting. But it was all right. Cause you kind of just, you've always got someone older going, don't worry, they're just jealous in your ear. But then- uh, And you were loaded and being chauffeur driven. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I just blew it all on guitar stupidly. Um, <laughs> then on the other side at 10, I came home once and my best friend was outside my house screaming his head off and my dad had attempted his life in a pretty graphic way and it, it was horrible and um, I remember like the, the doctor pulling up in the car and reverse parallel parking about 10 times. I remember kicking his door just going get out of your car, get out of your car and then um, and then my dad was in hospital for a long time and and then he went to rehab for six months in Western Supermare and it was all just very really messy and then he lost his business and he, all sorts of stuff and then there was just sort of the, the countless times of coming home literally literally every day you pull up to up the drive and kind of have that that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach not knowing whether he would be asleep drunk or dead you know and like I said twice more um growing up he attempted um his life again and um and I and I was always the one to be there 
I'm not surprised that you ended up having panic attacks because that living in that constant state of hypervigilance, mm. it's going to come out at some point, isn't it? And, you know, probably looking back into that was the trigger and it needed to come out. 100%. And I, when I talked earlier on about creativity, about that adrenaline, I think I still do live in a state of that slightly because mm. mm. it was sort of, you know, because what, what that made me do was kind of go, well, A, a the workshop was my safe space. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I just had so much love for my friends at workshop. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know why? Because I could be me. Mm. Yeah. Like, without anyone going, stop showing off or doing doing that, whatever. Yes. I could go on. We could be silly and fun and loud, and I could be me, and no one, everyone was the same. Yes. And also, it was it's cathartic, isn't it? Because you can cry and be angry in a scene, or you can be silly, or like you say, you can show off, and it's a release that you can't necessarily get. And um, and like you say, that friendship. And actually, I don't know if you remember the way Colin would start workshops off was kind of med- meditation, mindfulness. Mm. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but like he would, we would all have to sort of like roll our necks, and then we'd like, we'd, sometimes we'd have to lie down, and he would do breathing techniques, and then there'd be times where we'd have to stand each other and focus really on one thing in a mindful way, and come as close, and then hold each other all those things I think back yeah. now and think how how mindful those things are and we yeah. didn't know that as a kid no. you know I mean? no we didn't know that anyway I'll get back to my hub so I'm so um I had this so I had this panic attacks and I had this first one and then the day before we launched we did a massive press day on the i360 in Brighton so for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's basically a huge tall tower with this sort of like space age big circular donut glass donut around it that that lifts right up into the uh, sky so you can see right out to sea and all around um and um we got on we got we, we we invited 200 press and i had to do a talk and literally um uh one of the guys from the um ymca got up beforehand and he started talking and he just went on and on and on. And I was like, I was sort of prepared to go out. I, I thought he was only going to do about a minute. And he went on for about 10 minutes. And because it dragged and dragged and dragged, I started getting more and more nervous. And I started having a panic attack. And I had to leave. God. I had to leave the room. But luckily, I managed to stop it. I don't know how. And pull myself together. And I went back in and did the speech. Um, and then, so then I, then I ran for like three and a half, maybe about three and a half years from then on, I had panic attacks. Lots of them in horrible places, in the middle of the night, at home, on trains and on tubes a lot. I mean, the amount of times I'd have to get off a tube and get out because I couldn't breathe. And I'd always have to phone my wife, Ailey, who was so amazing at calming me down. And um, I remember being on a commuter train back from Brighton, from London to Brighton, and it'd been absolutely packed. And I remember just locking myself in the toilet. And I think everyone must have thought, I, mean, I, I kept thinking everyone thinks I'm crazy because I keep just going in and out, in and out. And I remember locking myself in and trying to see myself in the mirror to talk myself out of this thing and going, in a minute, I'm going to drop dead. And I've locked myself in here because I don't want anyone to see me like this. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to find me or know that I'm in here. It was like the whole thing was just loopy. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and like when, when those things happen to you and those chemicals are rushing through your, your mind, you don't know why what or how it's happening and it's mm. it's only through my work with Iron Hole that I started to really understand this thing which was essentially I'd entrapped this trauma from my childhood that I'd never dealt with because I'd literally would go to workshop and try and forget about it and then and then I spent my career going I'm not going to be like that I'm not going to I'm going to be a success and then like I've you know been pushing that boulder up that hill ever since but that's almost a distraction and it just needed to come out yeah 
massively. And then eventually, you know, through our work, met the right people that worked in mental health and managed to, didn't, have, didn't go through therapy, but I did a bit of mental health coaching and sort of understood the process and, um, and then was told that actually I was really resilient and that really helped. And then mm. over time started to understand really why these things were happening and how to deal with them. Um, and a lot of it was self-care a lot of it like I think if I didn't I think if I was really fit and healthy and didn't drink then I think um I'd be and I was sort of calm in life then I think you could probably carry on and be okay and deal with it but the way the way to explain how these things happen is that imagine a stack of pancakes and in your life you've got your work your family your kids uh your finances your wider family your friends then you've got your diet, your drinking, your tox- all the toxins in the world, you know, all these things, right? So these, all these little stresses, we've always got a pile of pancakes. And then the, the point is, is to sort of try and never let your pancakes get too tall because every now and then a juggernaut comes out of nowhere and will hit you. And it does. And that could be grief, someone dying, or um, for me, it was the real, it was that trauma coming then. And then if you're not, if you have, if you're not looking after yourself, which is essentially self-care to keep that stack down, then you're going to topple over and you're going to have a wobble. Mm. And when you understand that, then you understand, you know, now every now and then, like if I, if I, you know, now and then you have a week, which is just sort of like mental, you're going out all the time drinking and you're meeting, it's like, it's just, your diary just clashes badly. So you've yes. got a big weekend with the family and then you've got like a, a work team and some friends and this, that, and the every time you sort of get now if I, I can't do more than three days of having a drink before mm. I, my body starts going hang on a minute hang on a minute just take a couple of days off reset so just learning those those real like I've learned so many things about self-care and how do you balance it because your your life is so busy you have a family what what things do you do now to to take care of yourself I'm not brilliant if I'm being honest but I do do certain things so I drink a hell of a lot less than I used to when I did my TED talk, it was, you know, I got asked to do this thing. And then um, and my whole talk was about this journey of mm. um, launching I'm Whole and about what I've just told you now, which is about my issues with my dad. And then at the end of my talk, I, I did something which anyone listening has to go and watch my talk in order to. It's very powerful. We'll put a link in the show for notes. For me, that was when the weight lifted. Mm. but not only for me but also for my dad because I'd spent a few years not talking to my dad previous to that we'd had a really weird relationship and then ever since then that lifted and it's changed it changed everything so yeah so just to finish off on self-care I sleep a lot more now sleep I think sleep's the biggest one Mm. I used to go to bed between 12 and 1 and I go to bed and now I'm in bed by 10 o'clock and I might and I'm hoped to be asleep by 11 I I would say you know I say these things and I'm still not brilliant at it myself and I think we're all a work in progress um Mm. but I'm aware about it I'm aware of it and and I know know what the processes are and I know sort of, you know, that's why we should check in with our friends. And when you check in with your friends, check in twice or three times. Don't just like everyone's instant reaction is, yeah, yeah, man, I'm all right. That's that's like second nature to do that. I think what you're doing is, is, is incredible. And I think it's particularly powerful that it's coming from a man as well, that you're sharing your experiences as a male, um, because I don't think, it's it's becoming more that men talk about their feelings, but I still think it's it's not that common. It's not as common as women talking about their experiences. So I think it's I think it's really incredible the, the work that you're doing with spirit and I am whole and the way you're trying to change the world. I think it's incredible. Oh, thank you, mate. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's incredibly inspiring and what we need. And I think like you were saying about community and and I also love how you get all your brilliant ideas when you're having a dream. I know. It's like literally you're channeling. <laughs> that, that early morning state of dream between yeah. that last hour before you wake up. Yes, it's the bit you remember, isn't it? That's why on Monday when I did when I woke up from it, I I I knew I can't I can't I've got to listen to it. And I got up, yeah. I got up and I wrote all I wrote the, the idea down and um and and um, and actually, funny enough, we're not, it's now bec- that's becoming something that I think would be quite cool in mental health as well, actually. But um, but but a, but a big TV show thing. Um, yeah, I think most. I think do you know what it is? It's your subconscious, and I believe that's the the people don't understand. Everyone thinks that what happens in your head, what you think is on the forefront of what you're doing, is what is what is the reality. It's not panic attacks, no. mental health, all those things. They're triggered through your subconscious. It's not like, yeah. you know, I, I remember getting off the train, have, like being like really panicking, going, oh, I've got to get on a tube. No, I've got to get on a tube. And I was going to, for a really important meeting and I was like worried about it, handset very well. I was on the train, I could feel the panic attack coming on and then like, please go, please go away, please go away, please go away. And I got on the tube, I started walking down the tube and I was like, oh God, it's going to come. Because then it's like the trigger is subconscious. It's like, you always have panic attacks on the tube. You always have panic attacks on the tube. And as I was walking down the tunnel, Oxford Circus, from the Victoria Line through to the Central Line, I was walking and I was like trying to get my breathing in intact. And suddenly my mental health coach went, you all right? What are you doing? He went, what are you doing here? And I went, oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. And he went, you're not, Matt. And it was like an angel. Honestly, it was like he'd been sent. Well, he was there. It was like just sliding doors. He just like just walked by me and he just went, listen, I'm really sorry. I've got to go to a meeting in West London. He goes, but listen to me clearly. This is your subconscious. This is not what you're thinking. And I swear on my life, it just calmed me. Wow. And he went, he went, and he went I'll call you in a bit. And then like, I got on the tube and I was like... Do you know, that's all you need sometimes, isn't it? Because panic att- I used to have panic attacks for years. I had dreadful panic attacks and I had PTSD. And um, and somebody said to me once, stop running away from them. As soon as you think, I don't want it, go away. Don't, and I'm trying to do everything to distract myself. Just sit with it. It's not going to hurt you. It feels like it is. But you've got to just let, you've got to experience it and let it go. And as soon as I started doing that, they stopped. Yeah. Because I wasn't running away from it all anymore. And that reassurance, that person saying that to you, because you feel quite out of control when you experience them, don't they? I mean, you do feel like you're about I mean, to die. And I think if, if people haven't experienced that, it's quite hard to get your head round. And the first time it happens, horrendous. Well, I think you think panic attacks is like someone being overly nervous and crying from being so nervous mm. about something or so like worked up. It's not, it's completely different. It's like having a really powerful drug suddenly charging through your body out of nowhere. It's adrenaline. It's fight. It's fight or flight. You've got no reason to fight or flight, and then something triggers you that is subconscious, and then all of a sudden that exact um, thing happens to you. It's like going through some sort of simulator. That adrenaline is suddenly just you don't know it, but your subconscious is like something. It's seen something that you're not aware of, or it's heard mm. something, or it's felt something that's suddenly gone. Oh my god! Run run or fight or fight or fight. And you're like, what? I'm completely calm. And then all of a sudden your adrenaline just literally just floods your body. And then that's why you're like, I can't, your heart, everything. It's just like, you just like, I'm going to die. This is horrible. And it's like, you feel like you're going yeah. mental. And I, I can understand why people think that there's madness in that. And like, I'm losing my sanity. And I can understand people that can't get out of that state. You understand why there's suicide. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, mm. if you lived in that forever, oh my God, it would be, 
unbelievably dark. Um, but I kind of, you know, you, that's why you've got you've got to heed the warnings and and learn. And what my mission with I Am Whole is, you talk about men. Oh God, I mean, our, our fan bases are eighty six percent female, and the suicide rate in the UK seventy five percent male. Yeah. Yeah, I'm at my wit's end as to what to do about it, but I'm constantly yeah. thinking. The one thing that I'm trying to do is build out towards creating a platform that is content-based, that is about destigmatizing all this stuff. Not just mental health, but there is no normal. That's our tagline, there is no normal. So that people just stop putting labels on people and start being a bit more sympathetic to being a bloody human being, because we're all the same, yes. it can happen to anyone. And then the second thing is to try and find ways to raise huge amounts of funds to lobby the government to, to create better resources. I mean, with the state of the country right now, we're going to see a, an even much bigger amplified pandemic on mental health with what's going on in our country and in the world right now. Why is therapy so expensive on the private sector and so untangible when you need it with the NHS? Yeah. You, yeah. You, I don't need it in six months' time. I need it now. Like, I need it now. Yeah. And I can't afford £100 now. That's why your work is so important, Matt. That's why I am whole is so important. It's got to, you, you're in a powerful position. You know, you got 120 million shares with the, the launch of I am whole and that kind of thing. You were being talked about in parliament. You've got connections and you're making such a difference mm. and so important. And like you said, community, community is huge. It's really huge. If all those women, girls and women watching, then speak to their boyfriend or brother, you know, it will be, it will be trickling down. Yeah. The latest project, which was our, our alcohol-free beer for men, has already raised a lot of money, and um, and we're gonna we're we're launching a new one um, later in the year. It's all for men's mental health. That I mean, we, we will always continue working for everybody. That is the bigger picture but at the moment we're specifically looking we're doing a huge research project into men's mental health to try and work out what are the you know what you're never going to fix it but like what are some of the big things we can try and highlight oh god I suddenly feel really emotional oh Esther but I was going to say what a difference you're making <laughs> in the world you know that little Matt <laughs> that had those experiences and now yeah. you're this fantastic person in the world yeah, but you know like if I if that hadn't happened to me I wouldn't have done it do you know what I mean no, exactly. And out of tragedy comes, you know, positivity mm. and, you know, great stuff. And yeah, I think you should be fantastically proud of yourself. Thank you so much for coming on. It's so brilliant to talk so to nice you. So nice to see both. Us shitty little show-offs. <laughs> shitty little show-offs for the podcast. <laughs> Look at us now. It's a good name for a programme, isn't it? Shitty little show-offs. <laughs> <laughs> You know that phrase, it's not the winning, it's the taking part that counts. Twaddle, my thoughts exactly. So this season, we thought we'd spice up your lives with a bit of a competition. Booyakasha! There's an actual trophy up for grabs. Boom! How do we win? Well, each week, we're going to ask a question on the social medias. The best responses will be read out in the following week's episode. And the writer of the very best audience story of the whole season will win the trophy. Oh, I'd better get writing. No, no. Esther, you can't enter. What? That's absolute bull- This week on social media, we put out the question, how do you look after your mental health? How do you nurture your noggin, your nogs? Thermal Satsuma, the lovely Thermal Satsuma said, 
After a morning of Zoom calls and endless emails at work, I always make sure that I go out for a walk at lunchtime, preferably listening to some good music or a favourite podcast. No prizes for guessing which one. Thermal oh, Satsuma. Can't possibly think. Oh. Well, let's hope it's ours. Otherwise. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> We're just assuming you're talking about yeah. limited time only. I mean, oh, I hope so. I think, yeah, I, think I mean, it is. I think he is. Thank um, you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. And also um, on Instagram, this Lucy Runs wrote, not surprisingly, I run. <laughs> I run. And when I'm injured like now, I get very grumpy and struggle. And she says, who'd have thought the most unsporty one at school would say that? Uh... So... Yeah, running, really good for your mental health, isn't it? I am so sorry, yeah. Lucy, that you're injured at the moment and I hope you've got something else that you that you do to get you out of your grump and your slump um, because it's so hard. I know what that's like when you can't, when you're injured and you can't do what you want to do and you can't move and you can't get the fresh air. Hayley on Instagram, who is in fact the Hayley that I often reference, who I'm sure my friend Hayley. I say... My, my friend Haley, like <laughs> Victoria Wood, my friend Kimberly, my friend Haley says, I have a chat with my best mates um, and I'm pretty sure I'm included in Aww. that. So that's rather exciting. Oh, lovely. <laughs> oh, well, there's someone here called Susie Riddler. Oh, I think I know her quite that's well. A great name. I think, I think you probably know her slightly better than me, uh, more intimately. Am I in the running for the trophy? Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, she says... Um, it's got, got a bit weird, doesn't it? It's got a bit... It's, it's <laughs> I've got multiple bit, personalities. Yeah. So I said, I scream very loudly in the downstairs loo and then I meditate. Yes, sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Downstairs loo, pillow. I mean, when you say you scream very loudly in the downstairs loo, are you sticking your head in the bowl? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not going that far. Although if oh, I really wanted to keep it quiet, that is that is a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean... I might try that I next mean, time. I bet that's a good singing spot, actually, because the acoustics are probably quite good. Yeah, give it a good clean first and then sing your heart out. Caroline Cousins says, Simple, watching reruns of Poldark, brackets Aidan Turner, and Outlander, brackets Sam Hewen, does wonders for my mental health. I bet it does, Caroline. does wonders for other things, too. (laughs) I bet it does. I think I might try that later. Um, Yes. And I've got a final one here from Fionn, who would love a walk by the seaside. That would oh. be how she would like to, you know, um, look after her mental health. But sadly, yeah. she lives in the middle of the country, so that's not possible. Um, but she she reads. She reads a lot, lot of books. And that takes her about mind the sea. things about the sea. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of books about the sea. I'm absolutely with you. Yeah. Uh, my mental health improves dramatically when I'm by the sea. And if I could have a daily sea swe- swim, <laughs> if I could have a daily sea swim, I think, yeah, yeah. I'd be uh, a very happy chappy. But like you, I live in the middle of the country, so I very rarely see it. Very rarely. But when you do, it's medicinal. It is medicinal. Oh, yes, absolutely. Lovely. Well, I hope everyone listening is um, looking after their mental health today. In fact, I think by listening to this very podcast, you're doing something for yourself. And, and you know, we try to make you laugh and smile and take your mind off things for a bit. So hopefully this has worked. Absolutely. Have a lovely week and thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Limited Time Only.
If you've enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with someone you think would enjoy it too? Please like, follow or subscribe so we can pop into your ears on a regular basis. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Your glowing reviews will help to shape future episodes and help other people to find us. You can join the Limited Time Only Conversation on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us hello at limitedtimeonlypodcast.com. We'll be back for more next time. But But for for now... now I don't know anybody who is normal. No! What is normal?